I'm about to read a story that's very familiar to most of you, almost all of you. Imagine hearing this story for the first time, reading from the Gospel of Luke. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And then reading from the Gospel of John, from the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. Do you realize what a, an incredible event we are celebrating this day? Listen to this again. Listen again. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Or in more contemporary English, the Word who is God Himself became flesh and blood and moved into our neighborhood 
right where you and I live. Imagine that, the Word, the very self-expression of God, the one who made the world and everything in it entered that world. The Creator became a creature. God became a man. Now, oddly enough, that incredible, staggering truth tends to be buried beneath all the trappings and the traditions of the season. In fact, there are lots of people who celebrate Christmas who have never really heard the story or are aware of this great miracle. I was surprised by a recent poll taken of, the, of people in the United Kingdom. It seems that one in five people didn't know that Christmas was a celebration of the birth of Jesus. One in five. For, for uh, those folks, uh, Christmas is a time to get out of the winter doldrums and enjoy being with loved ones. The same poll revealed that one in 20 thought that Jesus was born over Easter, which of course is a celebration of His resurrection, and one in 20 could not name Mary and Joseph as Jesus' parents. And around 1 in 10 were not able to identify Bethlehem as the place where Jesus was born. So sadly, uh, the UK, along with the rest of Western Europe, is losing its Christian memory. And the, tre the trend, as you know, is present in our country as well. Over, over time, it seems that more and more people are becoming more unaware about the real reason why we mark this day and why we tell this story, the story of Jesus. Still, I think most people would identify Christmas as having something to do with the baby Jesus. Most have heard about the special child that was born to a Jewish couple on a starlit night, and they may have heard that this little one claimed to be the Jewish Messiah. And millions even flock to hear Handel's Messiah this time of year. But I would venture to say that most people have not heard, really heard, that this little boy was, in fact, in the most exact and literal sense, the God by whom all things were made. It staggers the imagination. It boggles the mind. Think about it. God in a manger. A commentator on John's gospel writes, John wants us to realize that Mary's child is none other than the maker of the universe, the man who laughs so hard that the religious establishment concludes that he's drunk, the man who weeps so deeply at the grave of his friend Lazarus is none other than the ground of all being. The man who gets so tired and thirsty he has to ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water is the one who in the beginning made the first hydrogen and oxygen atoms and determined that two hydrogen and one oxygen make water. Astounding. C.S. Lewis put it this way, the second person in God, the Son, became a human himself was born into the world as an actual man, a real man of particular height, with hair of a particular color, 
speaking a particular language, weighing so many pounds, the eternal being who knows everything and who created the whole universe became not only a man, but before that, a baby, and before that, a fetus inside a woman's body. This is what theologians call the incarnation, the enfleshment of God. It lies at the core of Christianity. It's what Christmas is all about. The story of God becoming flesh and blood in Jesus, God in the manger, is something that we cannot fathom with our own minds. It's a little bit like trying to fathom uh, infinity, trying to grasp it. It's a mystery in which, however, we need to linger. And like Mary, we would do well simply just to, in, our, in silence, just ponder the staggering truth of it all, that this child is none other than the creator of the universe. Now, the way in which God came into the world must have stunned even the angels in heaven. The popular writer Max Lucado imagines what the angel Gabriel must have thought when given the assignment to bring news to Mary and Joseph of what was about to, about to transpire. Gabriel must have scratched his head at this one. He wasn't one to question his God-given missions. Sending fire and dividing seas were all an eternity's work for this angel. When God sent, Gabriel went. And when word got out that God was to become man, Gabriel was enthused. He could envision the moment. The Messiah in a blazing chariot. The king descending in a fiery cloud. An explosion of light from which the Messiah would emerge. That's what he expected. What he never expected, however, was what he got. A slip of paper with a Nazarene address. God will become a baby, it read. Tell the mother to name the child Jesus and tell her not to be afraid. Well, Gabriel was not one to question, but this time he had to wonder. God will become a baby? Gabriel had seen babies before. He had been platoon leader on the bulrush operation. He remembered what little Moses looked like. That's okay for humans, he thought to himself, but God? The heavens can't contain him. How could a body? Besides, have you seen what comes out of those babies? <laughs> Hardly befitting for the creator of the universe. Babies must be carried and fed and bounced and bathed. Imagine some mother burping God on her shoulder. That was beyond what even an angel could imagine. And what of this name? What was it? Jesus? Such a common name. I mean, there's a Jesus in every cul-de-sac. Come on. Even Gabriel has more punch to it than Jesus. Call the baby eminence or majesty, or heaven sent, anything but Jesus. So Gabriel scratched his head, 
What happened to the good old days? You know, the Sodom and Gomorrah stuff. Flooding the globe, flaming swords, that's the action he liked. But Gabriel had his orders. Take the message to Mary. Must be a special girl, he assumed as he traveled. But Gabriel was in for another shock. One peak told him Mary was no queen. The mother-to-be of God was not regal. She was a Jewish peasant who'd barely outgrown acne and had a crush on a guy named Joe. And speaking of Joe, what does this fellow know? Might as well be a weaver in Spain or a cobbler in Greece. He's a carpenter. Look at him over there, sawdust in his beard and nail apron around his waist. You're telling me that God's going to have dinner every night with him? You're telling me the source of wisdom is going to call this guy dad? You're telling me a common laborer is going to be charged with giving food to God? What if he gets laid off? What if he decides to run off with a pretty young girl from down the street? Then where will we be? Well, it was all Gabriel could do to keep from turning back. This is a peculiar idea you have, God, he must have muttered to himself. That's Lucado. A peculiar idea indeed. God in a manger. Majesty in the midst of the mundane, holiness in the filth of sheep manure and sweat, Divinity entering the world on the floor of a stable through the womb of a teenager in the presence of a carpenter? Wow. How strange. Only God could write a script like that. But that holy child in the manger is none other than Emmanuel, which means God with us. If it hadn't been for the birth of Jesus, then God would have remained a fearsome power out of touch, out of sight, way out there somewhere. But God comes to us in the humblest of circumstances to show His concern for the struggles and the heartaches of ordinary people like you and me. He came right into our neighborhood, right where you and I live. Because He was fully human, He knows what we go through, He's walked in our shoes. He understands. And because He was fully God, He's able to, to uh, help us in our need, leading us to the Father, bestowing upon us the gift of eternal life. Christmas proves once and for all, given all that God had to go through, proves once and for all that God loves us. For God so loved the world, God so loved you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And He walks with us still in all His power to heal and to bless. He's present in our joys and in our sorrows and in our laughter and in our tears and in our work and in our play. 
He's with us from our cradles to our graves and beyond. And that's why we sing happy Christmas carols and why we string lights on Christmas trees. God has not left us orphans in the universe. Imagine God in a manger. I mean, if that does not stagger your imagination, nothing else will, right? Are we blown away by this event? Does the Christmas good news invoke in us the same wonder and awe that it did 2,000 years ago? Kneel before the child in the manger and ponder the mystery and the wonder of it all. He came for you and for me. Let the staggering truth sink in. God is truly with us. Let us pray. Oh God, we give you thanks for the wonderful news that you have come into our world in Jesus Christ. 2,000 years ago, you walked this earth in the flesh, and still you dwell among us full of grace and truth. If you are so close to us, help us, O oh God, to get closer to you. Fill us with your love and joy. Amen.